0: Oh, I'm so excited to be with you guys. Um, I'm one of the pastors here at Vineyard Covington. And I just, I've had it on my heart for a while um, that like, wanted to talk to you guys today that our church is to be one made up of generational bridge builders. We honor and seek the welfare of the generations ahead of us and behind us that we have a culture of honor for the stage of life that each of us is in. And no matter our age, we have a gift that we bring to the body of Christ. So I'm convinced that we must be generational bridge builders if we are to have any lasting impact on our city. And if we say that we, Vineyard Covington, exist to welcome people home, to a family being transformed by the life and love of Jesus, and that his goodness cannot be contained and spills out into the hearts, homes, and streets of the city as we release the powerful peace, joy, hope, and love of the kingdom of God. We say all that because we're going to be here for the long haul. And that means that all of us, no matter what generation we come from, we all get to play. So today we're going to explore what the God, uh, what the God, the God, what God says about this kind of generational bridge building um, in the Bible, and how you and I are important for each other in whatever stage of life we are. So we're going to start with our um, itty-bitty friends, the kids. Like our kids bring vitality and awe and wonder into our lives. Kids help us adults to see the world through new eyes again, right? Right? Like, Jesus invites the kids to come to him. And in Matthew 19, 14, the disciples are uh, trying to stop people who are bringing their kids to him. But Jesus says, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And a little while before that exchange with his disciples, they're discussing who's the greatest in the kingdom. And Jesus brings a kid right into the center of the group. And he says, truly, I tell you... Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. If Jesus says something belongs to kids or that we're to become like little kids, then it seems like something pretty important to pay attention to. Like, why do you think he said that? What is it about kids And the guess that I have is it's about wonder. Like I would love it if the church embodied that, having a sense of wonder and um, just like awe about everything, even the most mundane things. When I became a mom, I became intimately aware of how different the world looks through my kids' eyes. And it's so interesting what they see and how they see it. They notice so many things. (laughs) You hang out with any little toddler and uh, you learn how fun life really is. Also, they can make you more mad than anything. I experienced that this morning. That was fun with my toddler. Um, But you know what, it was a different perspective (laughs) and I'm learning and it's changing me. Uh, But they can make an adventure out of anything. And they're certainly not in a rush. I know my kids are not. Mary Oliver, an American poet, she writes, attention is the beginning of devotion, and kids pay attention. They notice things. Christian author Brian Heasley writes in his book, Be Still, that noticing leads to wonder, and wonder leads to worship. So if kids noticed eight million little things about our world that leads them to wonder, it then leads them to God. And I'm like, how about if we take that on as adults? Like the psalmist says in Psalm 33 let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. The more we rub shoulders with little kids, the more we learn to be like them. In an essay I was reading this week from a therapist I follow, Um, she writes about a time when her son was two years old and how he spent two hours asking questions to construction workers that were outside of his house, uh, purely based on his construction fascination. And side note, have you ever seen the meme? If you put the meme up, uh, if you know what I mean, it says, now that I have children, I really understand the scene in Return of the Jedi where Yoda is so tired of answering Luke's questions, he just up and dies. (laughs) I feel like that. (laughs) I just wanna up and die sometimes with the amount of questions I get. So anyway, don't worry. This therapist said that her son, she said the construction workers were entertained by his questions. I don't know who says says they were entertained. But anyway, they were entertained by his questions. But what she says is is that she was jealous of her son. How he had the time and space to do, like just not do anything else but merely learn. Instead of sitting in the jealousy though, she took it and turned it into inspiration to make space in her calendar exclusively for learning. So what can we learn from the kids in our life? Um, If we're not around kids, how can we make that a priority to learn from them? Listen um, to this beautiful thought from writer G.K. Chesterton um, in his book, Orthodoxy. A child kicks his legs rhythmically through excess, not absence of life, because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free. Therefore, they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. <laughs> For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exalt in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again the sun, and every evening do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we I love that line, our father is younger than we. Kind of messes with our time space continuum understanding, but doesn't God just do that? (laughs) So then, you know, we grow up, what happens? (laughs) Do we grow into old curmudgeonly grumps? Or do we stay kids forever like Peter Pan and we never grow up? No, we, we mature. And as we mature, really beautiful things happen. And really hard things happen, and so many things in between. Paul writes about um, this process of maturing in in Ephesians 4, and we're going to start in verse 11. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Paul is teaching us that we need each other. Like we need each other to mature in our faith. God's people are equipped to do his work, and when we come to unity in our faith, we will be mature in the Lord and no longer tossed and blown about by whatever teaching comes our way, and we each do our part, our own special work, and it helps the other parts of the body to grow so that we're all healthy and growing and full of love. I love we heard that from Molly, that we come together, that we help each other grow and become healthy. There was prayer surrounding her in that. So remembering that we here are in it for the long haul, we want the body of Christ, the church, and specifically the church and this church in Covington to last for many, many, many more years. And that only comes from the body working together in unity so we learn from the children in our lives to keep our childlike wonder And we continue to be equipped as we grow into teenagers, into our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and onward. We need to pour into each other what we've learned and respect what the other generations bring to this body. What you have to bring, whatever your age, is good. So as a a 30-something, I'm kind of, I'm in this grinded out kind of stage of life. (laughs) Like, I have my job, I've got, happen to have a couple kids, I've got friendships, I have a marriage, um, and there's just sort of this sense of, like, faithful plotting. Like, I'm just, I'm moving along. It's just, like, for real, it's the faithfulness to show up in my real life with a real God and with real people around me. And what I desperately need when I'm in that kind of ploddingness <laughs> is the childlike wonder. Because otherwise, that's super depressing, you know? Um, but it, it's the in and out of life. But also, I need folks who are ahead of me to encourage me, to spur me on, and people who are doing life with me to encourage and spur me on as we continue on to mature in our growth. Um, Moses... He's a dude in the Old Testament and he lived a pretty wild life. One of his life highlights is that he led the Israelites out of slavery, out of Egypt. And um, when the end of his life came around, he had a younger man named Joshua that he had been mentoring. He had him um, hanging out with him and he passed off his leadership to him. And in Deuteronomy 34, this is what happens right after Moses dies. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Like Moses had his hands, laid his hands on Joshua and blessed him and, he was, and Joshua was filled with the spirit and with uh, wisdom. Like what an amazing beginning of Joshua's leadership journey And, like, kind of what happens before that, so many times Joshua is spoken over, like, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, and it comes up again, just this encouragement and this spurring on in his um, leadership. So we need people ahead of us and behind us uh, to thrive in this life. So now we're going to look, let's take the rest of our time to look at a story uh, of kind of an intersection of a couple of generations, uh, this is a couple of people of different generations, uh, so you can pull out your Bibles or Bible apps or follow along on the screen, but we 'll be in Luke two. This comes at the tail end of the Christmas story. Um, this is of jesus 's birth. His mom and dad, Mary and Joseph, uh, traveled to Bethlehem to be counted for the census at the time. Um, jesus was born in a manger because there 's no room at the inn. There were angel appearances, there was a glorious host singing uh, Jesus' praises, there were shepherd visits, and so many things, and then life goes back to semi-normal, like as semi-normal as raising the Son of God could be in your life. And so according to Jewish custom, Mary had to perform some purification rites at the temple 40 days after giving birth. And there's some interesting studies there. So anyway, if you want to deep dive into purification rites, there's some good stuff out there. Um, So she had to go to, uh, they pack up and they head over to Jerusalem. So we're in Luke 2 and we're going to start at verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph, Joseph and Mary took Jesus, him, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it's written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Like, hold on for a second. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's sort of, that's, he's waiting for Israel to have um, the Messiah come, to save them, to rescue them. And how cool that it says, you know, the Holy Spirit was on him. That's it. That's all we get for that. Um, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. One day moved by the spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, "Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation." which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother were marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. And to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Some of these people are related, like Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus. And then these other two folks, they're not related to them at all. They encounter them in the temple. So we have Simeon and Anna, who are two sagely people, devout in their faith. And we see how they intersect with this little family. So let's talk about Simeon here. How cool is it that the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would meet the the Messiah the savior before he died you know like and then he prompts him to go to the temple that day because he's going to meet him and he gets to hold him in his arms he holds the Messiah in his arms like, and i wonder how long ago Simeon had heard that promise from God of he, that he would meet the Messiah but he waited and he waited it's just amazing. And then I love too, like that he prophesies into Jesus' life, and then he speaks directly to Mary, and he just gives her some encouragement and also a little forewarning of what's to come, but he helps to encourage her, and she kind of just tucks this away. Um, like, Wouldn't it be great if we just kept having people like Simeon who get a prompting from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit, to go and talk to you like, or talk to me? And then they do it. Like, let's be that kind of people, you know? (laughs) Let's just keep doing it. Um, So, Anna, like, interestingly, we're given a few facts about her that, like, who her father is, what tribe of Israel she comes from, that she's called a prophetess, and that she'd been widowed for 84 years after only being married for seven to her husband. And she just, she never got remarried. She, like the what we can probably assume is that she didn't let that eighty four years turn into bitterness in her life because she came every day to the temple and she fasted and she prayed, and like that's the kind of woman I want to learn from I want to be around and I love that she just she she bumps into this crew, Simeon and Joseph and Mary and Jesus, because she comes every day and she overhears Simeon telling saying that this is the Messiah. And then she's, she's not afraid to tell everybody. She's just telling anyone around them who this person is, who this baby is. It's beautiful. I wonder if, like Anna having a life of worship and prayer, like if that makes us into more generous people just every day. And again, like that's somebody I've, I want to be around. So we have this intersection of, their, of the generations, the, the young parents, the baby, um, the sagely uh, folks, and they all bring these unique, uh, unique things to the table here. I, I mean, Anna brings childlike wonder and joy, like even in her old age, and she is encouraging to all of the folks. Simeon... He's just being straight-up encouraging, too, and he's prophesying into their lives. And then, you know, baby Jesus just being a sweet little baby and inspiring the whole thing. So he's just awesome. And, like, you can see how we all need each other. Like, we all need each other. The childlike wonder, the listeners, the bestowers of wisdom, the encouragers, um, just all of the aspects that we all bring in no matter our age. So the writer of Hebrews puts it this way in chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, but not giving up uh, meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day approaching." We hold unswervingly to this hope that we profess that Jesus is Lord because he's faithful. We encourage one another. We get equipped and we get together like we are now or we get together in house groups. Uh, We get together prayer groups. We get together just to hang out and it sets us on our mission to do the things that we have been called to do and we can encourage one another to move on and spur each other on towards those things. Because remember, the goal is unity within the body, a fullness in Christ for the long haul in our city, and we need each other to achieve that. You are worthy and valuable. Some of the ways uh, I see this practically happening in our church and of this, um, like the generations being around each other is we see that happen at house groups join in the new season of house group because you're going to be around some kids and you're going to be around some adults. And you're going to be around adults of all different ages. And it's just an opportunity to interact with each other. I have loved seeing um, my daughter Naomi and son Davey interact with their little friend Haven, who's three, two, and then Haven's daddy, Cole. And Cole will chase them all around the house at house group and they all just think that's the best. And so it's just so fun to see other people Loving on your kids and getting to interact with them. And I love that Naomi and Davey and Eden, my kids, have all of these aunties and uncles in the faith and just get to be with them and um, feel safe. Like yesterday, we walked around at the buddy walk with Dylan. Uncle Dylan is part of the fam now. Davy and Dylan maybe go tit for tat for talking to each other. <laughs> Davy put Dylan gave him a run for his money. Asking him like, "What's your favorite animal? What's your favorite dinosaur? What are you going to do?" Dylan, "Hey." Uh, make sure with the herd. That's right. And <laughs> Dylan helped us keep Davy safe. So it was great. <laughs> we need Dylan. Uh, so um, it's, it's just awesome. So, uh, oh, something I wanted to share with you guys, something I hear um, when people talk about a church is just how well we love each other's kids, too. And that's cool that people pick up on that. I just wanted to share that brag for you all. Like, that's awesome. And that we take care of each other's kids. We keep them safe. Um, we're well on our way to becoming generational bridge builders, Um, And a quick side note here, too, is uh, on October 8th, we're going to do child dedications here during the service in a month. So if you have a new baby or a child you want to dedicate, because we need the community to come around us and support us as um, these kids are being raised. So we're going to do that on October 8th. So talk to me or talk to Tyler about it. Um, We'll get you the info. Um, The other way... I see this happening at our church, this generational bridge building, is practically, that means like sometimes, like on the Sunday gatherings, um, there are adults and teenagers downstairs serving our kids um, and loving them and getting so much because the kids are fun. So there's opportunity to serve in that way or serve within our awesome youth house group. We've got great leaders that lead that and come on, come join the party. And I just love seeing the generations pouring into each other. So, as um, like sort of the, the the strategic vision for our church is to see that happening more often. See all of these generations pouring one into the other. So we've got. Our kids and then teens and adults serving the kids. And then we've got our teens and we've got 20-somethings, 30-somethings and all words serving the teens. And then we've got people in house groups serving one another and so on. And so that we can encourage the body and spur one another on. So I just want to see that explode even more within our church. And I totally see it happening already. Um, A cool thing that will be coming up, a little sneak peek for Uh, next summer is there's a summer camp for second through fifth graders that a bunch of uh, vineyards in the area are going to put on together. And there's another opportunity for, like, the middle and high schoolers to become junior counselors at this and then partner with adults who are also pouring into the kids. And it makes it not so scary then when... Um, a kid ages out of kids church and comes to youth house group they know some faces and then same thing for our high schoolers like our our seniors in high school are invited to come be a part of the adult house groups so it's not such a weird crazy transition into adulthood then Um, there's some familiar faces there so I just think it's awesome so I just want to say like we need all of our ages and um Our sages here within our VCOV family, those with a lot of experience and wisdom, like we need you to speak. I need you to speak into my life and all kinds of us, like we want you to stay in here. Don't opt out, like hang in. You play a giant part of this story here. Teach us like Moses did for Joshua and lay your hand of blessing on us. Um... So, again, like in Hebrews 10, that we hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for He who promised is faithful. And we spur one another on towards love and good deeds, encourage one another. It's just good. So, we're going to take a minute here and just be still. And um, I'm going to lead us through a little bit of a prayer exercise. And so you can just kind of relax in your chair, lower your shoulders, breathe out. Go ahead and close your eyes. And what I want to start with, I want you to imagine this. Imagine you're eating lunch, like a normal part of your day. And then picture another person with you that's somewhere different than you on the age spectrum. Could be older, could be younger. Begin to notice things about the other person. Where do I see God in this person? What are some of the details that point to God in this little interaction we're having at lunch? Are there any emotions rising to the surface? Is there something um, like a hurtful interaction that has happened with someone of a different age than you that's kind of raising the anxiety level in your body right now? Or are you noticing more the beauty out of this other person? And you're feeling a sense of peace or calm or... The wonder we've talked about. In your mind, ask the Holy Spirit to bring something to mind to encourage this other person. Is there a Holy Spirit prompting that's kind of rising up in you like it did in Simeon? It could be a feeling. Sometimes it's a thought or a word. Sometimes it's just an impression or a verse or something comes to mind. Is there something the Holy Spirit is prompting you in? something's coming to mind, just make a little note of it. Maybe it's something you could lean into this week. Talk to that person. If it's someone you know, or if it's just the idea of someone, find somebody in that general um, age range and begin an interaction with them. Holy Spirit, thank you for uh, reaching us just in the way that you do for each of us, how unique, uniquely you interact with us. Amen. You can open your eyes. Worship team, why don't you come on up? You are so loved just as you are. And also, God wants to see us mature so that we're not thrown about um, by different things that try to take our attention. He wants to see us unified. We all need each other, and every season of life has importance. So we're just going to worship for one last song. Um, We're going to worship together our God who is the creator of every micro and macro thing in the universe and exists out of space and time. (laughs) And so we'll worship this one last song and then we'll uh, do some prayer time after that, ministry time. We have awesome prayer teams that want to pray with you. Prayer team members, if you'll head on to the back, So maybe while you were reflecting earlier, an emotion rose to the service, something you weren't expecting. Like pay attention to that, it probably means something and, and our prayer teams would love to pray with you over that. Or maybe you need a blessing like Joshua received from Moses. Go get prayer. Find someone who's a couple years ahead of you and ask them to give you their blessing. Or maybe you're wondering oh, what does, like, belonging to a healthy family really look like? I haven't, you haven't had an experience like that before. Or you, you, haven't started, um, you haven't started to follow Jesus yet. He wants to invite you into his family. So come get prayer with us. We'll invite Jesus with you right into your, uh, your life. Maybe, you know, perhaps you need a fresh wave of wonder to wash over you. We'll pray over that, too. And one of our prayer members sent something. um, They said, if there's anybody out there whose arms are feeling weak right now, um, they think it has something to do with carrying something that they need to give to God, but they feel powerless to give it over, and you're tired because you've been carrying it a long time. So if that's you, get some prayer, my friend. Um, We love you guys. I'm gonna dismiss you to just go for it. Go get prayer. Ask someone next to you if you need prayer out there too. And be blessed. And we love you guys. You bring a unique and beautiful perspective no matter where you're coming from. Thank you for being here with us today.